In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. It is a tender story, the one we've just heard in our gospel for today. Two women, relatives, both pregnant and both keeping it to themselves, meet in a gracious and no doubt cathartic reunion. They had felt, no doubt, so alone over the course of their pregnancy. For them, it was actually true that no one in the world could possibly understand what they were going through. And now, as heart meets heart, their lonely pregnancies are now graced by the presence of the only one in the world who could understand what they were going through. The Virgin Mary comes to the hill country of Judea, bearing the unborn Christ in her womb like a new Ark of the Covenant. And she finds her relative Elizabeth. And the gracious words of Mary's greeting cause the unborn John the Baptist to leap in Elizabeth's womb and also causes Elizabeth to proclaim her famous refrain. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of that which was spoken to her from the Lord. This is why the Virgin Mary is often referred to as the Blessed Virgin Mary, because Elizabeth here in Scripture refers to her as Blessed And notice why she is blessed. Notice that she is blessed because of her faith, by faith alone, because she believed the word spoken to her from the Lord. Mary and Elizabeth are faithful women. They are devout. They know the scriptures and the power therein. They know the stories of God's people and of God's own acts of salvation. And so, by faith, these women wait. They have, of course, waited the months of their pregnancies, but they have waited longer than that. They have waited their whole lives for the salvation of God. They have faithfully waited for the coming of His Messiah. And even, if you will, they have waited even longer than that because they stand in a line of faithful women that stretches all the way back to Eve herself, the mother of all the living. Eve was the first woman to receive a child with the help of the Lord and also to receive his promise that her offspring at last would crush the serpent's head. And after her, there is an entire train of women leading up to the Virgin Mary. There is Sarah, there is Rebecca, there is Rachel, each of them barren before the Lord graciously opens their wombs and they bring forth children for his glory. We also have Miriam, who is actually the namesake of Mary. Mary in in the original of our text today is called Maryam. So the sister of Moses, you might remember that story, is also included here. She also sings a song after God delivers his people. And then there's one you might not know. We talked, uh, the high schoolers talked about this today. J.L. She's hidden in the midst of the judges and she is the first woman actually in the Bible to be called blessed among women. And then, of course, there's Hannah, who prays for many years for a son and is finally given one. And then, of course, at last, there is Elizabeth herself. uh, She herself being the final mother of the Old Testament. She is barren until God gives her a son, John, in her old age, who, of course, personally prepares the way 
for the Lord Jesus. Faithful women all, waiting and laboring together through the ages to bring forth Messiah. Now, Mary stands at the culmination of this holy line. And Elizabeth, as she hears the words of Mary's greeting, realizes this and realizes that this is it. And, of course, she is filled with the Holy Spirit by the word of Mary. Mary's song, called often the Magnificat, is a poetic release of hundreds and even thousands of years of faithful women who have been waiting for Messiah. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from this day all generations shall call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things to me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Now in her song, of course, Mary is expressing herself. She herself rejoices. And also all of those who have come before her in the faith, who have feared the Lord, as she sings, from generation to generation. Sometimes, it's, it is, uh, sometimes people who are critics of the Bible say that the Bible is just a story of a bunch of old men. Well, they should really read the Bible before they say something like that. Uh, this story is awesome, and it is the very backbone of Scripture, this coming Messiah as a child of Eve. And that is well and good, and even awesome. The Lord has been faithful to these women. He has uh, rewarded them for their pain and childbearing through the centuries. And at last, he has overshadowed the Virgin Mary and made her the mother of God to bring his own son into the world to redeem the world. But, as we might have heard and noticed, the Magnificat is not only a tender story. Because Mary continues. She says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. So we are reminded, of course, again, that Mary and Elizabeth are faithful, that they stand out in their day, actually, because of their faithfulness, because in their day, faithfulness was not the norm. Now, we know this from the rest of the Old Testament, if you think back, how many powerful people in the Bible abuse either their royal or even their religious authority, and how many common people are either taken in by their abuses or completely disenchanted by them. I mean, we've, in the last several weeks, we've read how the people flock to Jesus in the wilderness. Now, why would you flock to some weirdo preaching in the desert without any food unless you have no better options, unless you are deserted, unless the people who were charged to take care of you, the shepherds and the leaders in Israel, have let you down, have perhaps abused you and failed you? So, when Mary and Elizabeth meet, today in the hill country, not of Texas, but of Judea, it is not merely a comfort for two women during their otherwise lonely pregnancies. It is also, uh, I think, a conspiracy. 
I'm not a conspiracy theorist myself, but these women are conspirators. Why else would, um, I mean, what else do you call these two women who come down into the hill country of Judea and talk about casting down the mighty from their thrones or dispossessing the rich and sending them, as the text says, away? I mean, we have a name for people who consider casting the mighty from their thrones. Uh, That's called treason. So, and you might remember in this vein, the the story of Herod from Christmas time, how he reacts to the birth of the Christ child. Imagine if Herod were told the words that Mary sang in the hill country of Judea. No doubt he would send soldiers at once and take care of it. And in a sense, that is exactly would be the thing that a king in Herod's position would do. In a sense, Herod, and this is kind of one of the interesting things about Herod in the Christmas story, is that Herod is kind of right about Jesus. God has sent his son into the world in order to upend all of the rule of rulers like Herod. Jesus has come to empty Herod and his ilk of all of their power. But this conspiracy of Jesus is not to take their power for himself. That would be a silly thing. That is what every other conspirator in history tries to do. That's what they always think of. Starting a riot, or occupy this or that, or resist this or that. That is everyone else's idea. It is as old as the hills. And the truth about it is that it will never change a blessed thing, except perhaps whose backside rests upon the throne. The conspiracy of God in Christ Jesus is nearly the opposite of that. Christ empties the powerful of their power by submitting to them and by dying at their hands. And three days later, of course, living again. His conspiracy, this conspiracy of Christ, is crucifixion and resurrection. His conspiracy is to give his life as a ransom for many. And that is how Christians throughout the ages, can handle the persecutions, small or great, that come their way. How we handle them is we know we will live again. We know that we will rise again. Uh, You know, St. Paul says that those in authority over us in the civil realm, they rightly exercise the power of the sword. God gives them that authority Um, to wield the sword. They have the authority of death, if you will, ultimately. You know, that's one of the reasons we call our executives. um, You know, that word is based on a a certain other word. They are are executives because they can execute. They have the power of the sword, as St. Paul says they rightly wield. But Jesus isn't after that power. He is after a far greater power, that is, a power to give life to those who have died. (laughs) the power of resurrection. And this is the secret that is hidden for ages in God throughout the Old Testament and is revealed at last in the Christ child. The secret is that the dead will rise in Christ. This is how all of the faithful women of Scripture brought up their children in the hope of the coming and the dying and the rising again of Christ Jesus. So all of you students, whom we just blessed up here a few moments ago, I want you to do your first homework assignment of the year. 
Go home and bless your dear mother or your grandmother. Thank them and thank God for them because they have stood in this sacred line of blessed mothers as well. They thank them for blessing you by bringing you up here, by bringing you up in the fear and the love of God, by bringing you up to know your Jesus who has died and risen again for you. Because in that strength, in that knowledge, in that faith, is how you guys can live through the rest of the school year, can embrace all that comes your way, whether good or or hard or bad, and in that knowledge uh, handed down to you and that you have been blessed with is how you can lead your life in this year and all the years to come. And it's really quite simple, this, what I'm calling a conspiracy. It is simply carrying out faithful, simple lives in our families. It is, that's the sort of thing that changes uh, our world. It's the sort of way that Christians live in this world. And in that way, we are joining Mary and Elizabeth in this conspiracy, simply by forgiving one another, by loving one another, by sacrificing ourselves for the good of others, and by coming here and being forgiven ourselves often. This is the simple way in which we live the life that Jesus has given, a life that will never, ever end. Because we share in the promise that we will rise again. And in that hope, we can live in the face of anything this year or next year or forever after. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.